First Peter chapter 1. This is God's Word. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last day. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even, even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and the circumstance to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing, which he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. And they spoke of these things, and when they spoke of these things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even angels long to look into these things. Amen. Well, as we come to this passage, please do keep it open, and we trust that you will see the one who has indeed saved us this morning in this passage. And as we come to it, there's a very simple title on this passage this morning in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verses 10 through to 12, that a discouraged people must see that they are a privileged people, that a discouraged people must see that they are a privileged people. And as we work our way into this passage this morning, I'm going to ask two questions. And the first is this, when was the last time you were encouraged? When was the last time that you were encouraged? And specifically thinking in a Christian way, when was the last time a brother or a sister in the Lord sent you a simple text message and said, how are you? Be encouraged. Here's a promise from Scripture for you. When was the last time a brother or a sister put their arm around us and said, be encouraged. Keep going. I know it's not easy. Please keep going. And we need that, don't we? It doesn't matter what part of life that we are in. It doesn't matter what age we are this morning, from the youngest here right through to the oldest. As brothers and sisters, as a covenant family, we need each other to say, keep going. You can do it. Look at what Jesus has done for you. Look at what God has done for you. Look at how the Spirit is at work in your life and in the life of the church. Keep going. And the problem is that we get surrounded with bad news. We get surrounded with horrible situations, with negative attitudes. And what happens to us is that we feel that God has either abandoned us or that he's against us. And this morning, we want to firmly say that God is not against us. He is for us. He is a good God, and he has shown his love towards us through his only son, Jesus Christ. When was the last time we were encouraged? When was the last time we encouraged someone in the church family? When's the last time we drew alongside a brother or a sister who was struggling? 
or not even struggling, just a brother and sister, and said, please be encouraged, keep going. Keep going. Look back across your life, see what God has done in it. Keep going. So we're thinking about encouragement. And then the second question is this, what does the gospel mean to you? What does the gospel mean to you this morning? In a gathering this size, there will be a various range, there will be a, a range of answers. Some will say that, well, what is the gospel to me? The gospel really is just confusion. I don't really understand it. I haven't really grasped it. Some will say that it means nothing to me. Some will say that it's a belief that my granny and granda or my mother and father held to, but it doesn't really apply to me. For some, it may intrigue. For others, it may appear as a burden of rules and regulations. And for some here this morning, the gospel means everything. It gives you joy. It determines your whole life. And this morning, no matter where you are in, in that range of answers, we want you to see this morning that the gospel means everything because it changes everything about us. Peter here is he's writing to the church. He's writing to this church, and they are a people who are gathered together, and they have a mixture of situations going on. The people that were gathered together in modern-day Turkey throughout the, the, the diaspora here in, in 1 Peter were people who were struggling in persecution, and their situation had no chance of getting any better. In fact, it was going to get worse for them. There were people who had publicly been slandered. They lived lives always suspicious of those around them. They always were wondering, would the mob arrive at their door and carry them away? told that often Roman soldiers would retire to this area. Perhaps they wandered past these ex-retired Roman soldiers and thought to themselves, well, I wonder when they will turn against me. I wonder were they involved in persecuting other Christians like John the Baptist. It was tough for this church. And internally, it was tough. They had Jew and they had Gentile in their midst. There were many different things going on. It was a melting pot of feelings and emotion. People were weary. People were frustrated. They were worried, panicked, afraid. And people were in despair. Christ had been eclipsed by their difficulties. And this morning as we meet, there are many people here, many of us this morning, and that is the same for us. Not that we're under persecution, but our feelings and emotions are the same. We are in despair Christ has been eclipsed in the midst of our difficulties. But for some of us here this morning, everything's going really well. For some of us, we probably come along and we feel that we are entitled to be here or we are of privilege to be here because of who we are. And this morning, we want to see that the gospel talks to both people, those of us who feel entitled that the gospel will humble us, and to those of us who feel discouraged and that Christ is eclipsed that we can't see him in the midst of our despair, that we would be encouraged to see what he has done for us. So Peter writes this in the middle of a church that is full of hopelessness, and he writes it to encourage them. Brothers and sisters, be encouraged, he says. He writes to show them that they must endure. He writes to give them hope. Last week, we looked at how he looks to the future, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. He talks to them about their present situation, about how they're going through various trials, but it's only for a little while. And now, this morning, we're going to look at the past that he shows them. Well, it brings us to our first point. The prophets spoke for you, verses 10 through 12. The prophets spoke for you. 
As we reach the climax here in Peter's letter, what he's trying to do is he's trying to show the people God's love. He's proven to them God's great love for them. We all know what it's like whenever we receive a word of instruction, don't we? We know what it's like. Perhaps a, a mother or a father, and they use your name, but they only use your first name or maybe a nickname that you have, and it doesn't really mean much to you, but whenever they use your full name, for me, John Thomas, John Thomas, you know that you are in trouble. You know that you got a lesson. Or perhaps it was at school, and the classmates around you probably said to you, look, you shouldn't be at that there. You shouldn't be doing that. And you thought, okay, all right, I'll get away with it. And the knock comes to the door. Somebody comes in, excuse me, can Mr. Graham or whoever it is, please come to the principal's office, and you know that you're in trouble or if a work colleague says to you, look, you better not do that, or you better change something, you think, oh, I know better. But then whenever the boss or the CEO comes and tells you that you better change, you listen. And why is that? Different people carry different levels of authority when they speak. It's the way it is in our world. Different people carry different levels of authority. And what Peter does here is he looks in verse 10, concerning the salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace. This is the, the very climax of him trying to encourage the people. And he's telling them, look back, look all the way back through the Old Testament, the prophets that you know. Look back to Abraham. Look back to Moses. Look back through Daniel and Jonah and Ezekiel, Hosea, Joel, Malachi, all the Old Testament prophets, and they spoke concerning you. Pages of Scripture are penned for you by the gift of the Holy Spirit, so that we would understand the unveiling grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we would see him at work throughout history. Peter writes them, and they, the people here would know who these prophets are. The Jewish people in the, in the congregation will have studied the prophets. They will have uh, memorized the large swathes of Scripture. The Gentiles will know the stories of the prophets of Abraham and Moses all the way through. So from Adam all the way through the Old Testament, the prophets were speaking concerning this church and concerning this church, our church here today. And that's hard for us to get our heads around that the prophets way back in the Old Testament, whenever they were explaining God's word, whenever they were given God's word, was for our benefit. Christ knew us. We looked at last week, God had chosen us. He is in control of all things, and this was for our benefit. So when Moses looked for the promised land and the rest that was to come, he didn't fully understand it. He didn't understand what that meant. He didn't know a man called Jesus, but he was trusting God and his promises. And we see a series here of verses in Jeremiah 3, 33 and 7, whenever the prophet says, I will bring Judah and Israel back from captivity and will rebuild them as they were before. I will cleanse them from all their sin that they have committed against me and forgive all their sins of rebellion against me. Then this city will bring me renown, joy, praise, and honor before all the nations. Did the prophet understand that fully? No, he didn't. But he gave that word through the power of the Holy Spirit for the church and that meant the church here in modern-day Turkey, these people that were throughout Asia and Bithynia, Pontius, Galatia, and Cappadocia, and it meant for us here today, placed in Lurgan, when Isaiah 
9 and 6 talks about, for unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Didn't understand what that fully meant. But he knew that there was one coming. And all the way through the Old Testament, whenever Ezekiel talks about giving a new heart, whenever Hosea talks about after two days he will revive us, and on the third he will restore us, that we may live in his presence, they didn't understand what that fully meant. But it was for us. Joel the same, I will pour out my spirit. In Amos, I will bring back the exiles. I will rebuild the city. In Micah, we hear of the great shepherd who will go before his people and break through the gate and will lead us. In Zechariah, from Judah, there will be one come who is a cornerstone. In Malachi, the people are left waiting for the one who will come that will prepare the way like Elijah. The whole of the Old Testament. Peter presents it to the church here and he says, this was for you. Whenever they felt discouraged, whenever they felt like Christ had been eclipsed, Peter says to them, look back. Look at these prophets of old. Look right back through this hall of fame. All the people that we study about and learn about, that was for your benefit. So do we get this picture this morning as a church? that the promised one throughout every page of the Old Testament, the one who will come to bind up the brokenhearted, who will kindle the faintly burning wick, the prophet, the priest, the king, the son of David, the priest after the order of Melchizedek, the deliverer, the one who would restore the everlasting promises of Scripture, that this grace was all for us. See, the prophets, it tells us in this passage, in verse 10, they searched intently and with the greatest care. They wanted to understand. Daniel 8.15 tells us how the prophet wrestled with Scripture. He wrestled with trying to understand what is going on. Where is this promised Messiah? Where is the one from Genesis 3.15? God, I know you're going to send him. What does this mean for us? And to help us understand it, it's like this. The Old Testament is like a house that contains everything, but the dimmer switch is turned fully down. All the furniture is there. All, all the foreshadows of Christ is there. But the prophets can't just quite see it in all of its clarity. And then Christ comes, and the dimmer switch is turned fully up, and we can see the beauty of him. Throughout the pages of the Old Testament, we can see him. So church, do we see what we are part of? Do we see that the prophets spoke these things for your sake? They spoke of the grace that was to come. The one day God would reveal and deliver his grace. So brother or sister, this morning, whenever you doubt your faith, whenever you start to wonder about what is the gospel, is it really worth it? When you're overcome with discouragement, when you don't know where to turn in the midst of your difficulty, when it's a winter's night in the middle of November and you're maybe serving here in the church and you're going along to BB or you're going along to GB to serve or you're going along to the prayer meeting or to the midweek, you're going along to the fellowship group and you're wondering what is it all about? Look back and see this morning that this prophet, that Peter says that the prophets from the Old Testament spoke of the grace concerning you, that the deliverer had come 
whenever you feel like walking away from Jesus, this passage in 1 Peter tells you everything you need to know. It reveals the grace of God through verses 3 all the way down, how he has saved us, how he has called us, how he's given us a hope, and how we are from a rich heritage, how our past has been set in place for us. Then our second and our final point this morning, preachers are sent by the Spirit have to have, uh, are sent by the Spirit to preach for you. So preachers are sent by the Spirit to preach for you. Again, if you think about the school setting, and someone is sent along to uh, pick you up from the office, and you're summoned, it's usually not a good thing, is it? Whenever you're walking them steps, the corridor, all the way up to the headmaster's office, you're in trouble, and you know you're in trouble. But this morning, these preachers have come, and they bring a summons to you, but it's not a negative summons, it's a positive summons. The preachers that Peter was telling this church about are the disciples and the apostles and Paul, that they brought the good news of the gospel, and they summoned you to come before our God and King. So this morning, each of us here in this place, we are summoned into the throne room of God, and we stand before Him. And it's not that we're under judgment this morning. It's not that He's about to tell us off, but He is coming this morning to tell us that we are a people who are loved. We stand before His great throne, and here the King holds out His hands, and He says to us, friend, you are loved. Look at my love for you. I am a God who is for you and not against you. Yes, in the middle of your discouragement, in the middle of your trial, it may seem that way, but I love you. My grace is upon you. And as you stand before the great throne of God and you look to his right hand, who is seated there? Jesus Christ. And he says to you this morning, Look, do you not see my love for you? Can you not see it here in my son? I sent him for you. And we stand there and we look at Jesus Christ and we see the scars upon his hands. And we see the wounded feet where he hung upon the cross of Calvary. And he says, I love you. I have chosen you. I have called you by my grace. The Holy Spirit has risen me from the dead. I have an inheritance kept for you, undefiled and unfading. I've sent the prophets for you. I've sent the preachers for you. Look at verse 12. Where did they come? The Holy Spirit sent from heaven. I have sent my very Spirit from this throne room for your benefit. Child, don't be discouraged. Friend, perhaps this morning you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. But you come before him in that great throne room. And you're not summoned there this morning by a preacher of his word to stand before a God who wants to devour you. Though that day may come. But this morning you are presented before him and he says, look at all the things that I have done for you. Look at my son. Look at Jesus. Look at his hands. He wants to know you. He calls you to come to himself. 
we are summonsed before the throne room of God. So that whenever we are tempted to take the gospel for granted, when we're tempted to think that we are insignificant, when we're tempted to believe that, that God is just a lie and that he doesn't care about us, that we will see this. Peter here has proven God's love for the church. The prophets, the preachers throughout history, for us, what does that look like? It looks like a prophets in the Old Testament, but it also looks like Augustine through to Calvin and the Knox and through the Westminster divines, through Spurgeon and in our own denomination, Henry Cook, and here in this church, through Gervin and Moore and McCullough, that God sent these men to preach the good news of the gospel for your sake, so that you would see the grace of God, so that your hearts would be filled with the love of Jesus Christ, and that you would overflow and be filled with the knowledge of him, ready for the trials that face you. Friends, I was in a, a house this week of a person connected to a different congregation and life was being robbed from them and they have since passed away by a horrible disease. In the midst of that, where did the family have to look? Look to the rock of our salvation, to Jesus Christ. Where do we point them? We point them back into this passage. Look at God's unveiling grace for you in the midst of this trial, in the midst of this distress, don't let Christ be eclipsed. The Father loves you. So as we close this morning, we are able to face whatever the enemy will throw at us. Why? Because we're able to say that we are born again by his mercy, that we have been unconditionally elected, that we have been drawn by irresistible grace, that we have hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading. The prophets have been sent for us. The preachers have been sent for us from the very throne room of heaven by the power of the Holy Spirit. So what, brother and sister, what can the, the enemy throw before us? What can he throw before us that will cause us to fall? Be encouraged. Know this morning that we are a privileged people. We are a privileged people here in Hill Street Presbyterian, not because of who we are, not because of anything special about us, but because of Christ, because of what he has done for us. So as we close, this is our Jesus. This is our Savior in verse 12, or in, in verse 11. The Christ who would come, who would suffer, and then his glories would be revealed to us. This is the one who would come and draw alongside us, that knows what we are going through, who suffered for our sake, who endured Calvary for each and every one of us. This morning I pray that this passage will fuel our prayers this week, that it will encourage us to remain faithful wherever God has placed us, that our hearts will rise in worship, that in the difficulties that lie ahead of us this week, that we will know that we are privileged through Christ. And this morning, if our hearts have grown, grown cold, that our affections will be so warmed that we will hear the God of love calling us back to himself as he tells us, son and daughter, the prophets, the preachers, the Holy Spirit was sent for your benefit. What does the gospel mean to us this morning? I trust we see that the gospel means everything. 
Let us pray. Father in heaven, your word is so precious to us and you've given it to us for our benefit. And Father, we thank you so much for it this morning. We thank you that it is sharp, that it pierces us, that it encourages us. Lord, for these two verses, we praise you. We're sorry for whenever we take your word for granted, whenever we take our heritage for granted. You have worked in our lives. You have sent men and women to preach, to share the good news of the gospel, to love us. Father, you've sent the prophets through the Old Testament for us. You sent your Son, Jesus Christ, for us. Fill our hearts with the love of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.